Board Gaming with Education, a podcast for anyone curious about how games and education mix. We explore various topics like game-based learning, gamification, and board games, and the impacts they have on learning. Here's your host, Dustin Stats. For today's episode, we have Alex Wolf. He is a game designer. He currently has a game called For Glory on Kickstarter. It's a deck builder themed around gladiator combat. Really cool game. I had a chance to play it about a year ago in his playtesting stage. And I was super excited to chat with Alex because we actually share some common background where we both taught abroad in China and I met him at Spielbound, a board game cafe in Omaha because we're both from Omaha. So it was really cool to talk to him and see how he went from teaching abroad to getting into games and then getting into game design and now designing a game. So we kind of just talked through that process and that journey that he embarked on. So if you are an educator and you do some game design on the side as a hobby or you're just curious about how a teacher might make a move into game design, be sure to listen into this episode. Before we get going with the interview, there are a couple announcements for Board Game with Education. We are hosting events in LA. So again, if you are in Los Angeles, be sure to like our Facebook page. We have up-to-date event information there, or you can go to boardgamingwitheducation.com backslash events. If you are not in the LA area, we have some news for you too. As I mentioned, I have been working on a deck builder review game. So if you are interested and you're curious and you want to try this out, definitely send me an email. All I ask is you provide some feedback to how you might implement it, or even if you just read it over and you decide you wouldn't implement it, please let me know. That's all I ask. I will send you the print and play files. If you are or were a Kickstarter backer, we did have to cancel our Kickstarter, which cost backers nothing. However, if you did back the project for free, you do have this opportunity to download the print and play files. I will be sending an update through the Kickstarter platform very soon. Stay tuned for that. Keep your eyes peeled. Again, though, if you are interested in playtesting, be sure to reach out to me through email, podcast at boardgamewitheducation.com. And that's all I got for now. Let's hear from our sponsor and then get into the episode. And our sponsor is Facing Off. It is a party game on Kickstarter right now. You can check it out. Go to kickstarter.com. Type in Facing Off and you'll find this super social, all-play, role-changing party game where you compete to describe, sketch, and bet your way to victory in two minutes, time pressure rounds. So, like I mentioned in the previous episode, Grace and I had the opportunity to play this game and it was a blast. We played it at our board game event night. We played it with gamers. We played it with non-gamers. Everybody had a lot of fun. It is a really, really entertaining game, and I highly recommend checking it out on Kickstarter. Again, thank you to our sponsor, Facing Off. Now for the conversation. All right, welcome to Board Game with Education. I have an awesome guest, as always, on the show. And usually I give a fun fact about our guest. We have Alex Wolf, but we're going to do something a little bit different. It is a fun fact about him, but it also has to do with how we met. And I met Alex, first met him at 
Spielbound, which is a board game cafe in Omaha. It was really cool. I went to a playtest event. I think the group is called Spiel Masons. Hopefully Alex can... Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> okay. Spiel Masons. And I had an opportunity to play his game and we got to chatting and it turns out he went to the same school as my wife, Grace, that some of you know from the show. And he also did a bit of teaching in China. So we got to connect about teaching abroad, but we'll talk more about that. We'll get into some of the games he used in his classrooms and how he moved into game design. So Alex, can you share a little bit more about yourself? Uh, yeah, I was uh, raised in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm 31 years old, working at an insurance company part-time uh, while I uh, am also designing games and starting a board game publishing company. Really cool. And the name of your company is Spielcraft Games. Is that right? That's right. Kind of going with the whole theme, Spielbound, Spielmason, Spielcraft. I like it. Yeah, my business partner and I met at Spielbound. We were members of the Spielmasons, so we decided to pay homage to those organizations with our company name. Really cool. I, I love Spielbound. I've talked about it on the show a few times already. Uh, it's like, I always, I always compare it because there's a board game cafe here in, oh man, I'm so bad with Los Angeles area, maybe Burbank or Glendale. And I always like to say, well, the board game cafe in Omaha has more games. <laughs> yeah, it is an excellent place. It's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, the one here, they have a lot, but there's just a few more at in the one in Omaha. So we have something to brag about. <laughs> <laughs> so usually one of the first questions we ask our guests is tell us about a time you were on the receiving end of learning something through a game. Cause, so can you share a story or an experience with us? Yeah. The best example I can think of is when I was living in China, I was studying Chinese and every Friday night I would go to a Magic the Gathering tournament and uh, play Magic in Chinese. So it was a really good way to uh, force me to learn how to read really peculiar Chinese words. And most of the other competitors didn't speak English. So uh, we had to play the game completely in Chinese. And that was just excellent practice. <laughs> right. I, I really love these stories of intrinsic motivation where you're kind of like, you really want to learn the language because you want to be able to play and interact with other people in the game. So I wonder, cause your Chinese is pretty good, right? I mean, it's definitely better than mine. I wonder my friend who his first language is Spanish and he played games like Magic the Gathering, not Magic the Gathering, but other like uh, deck builder or card trading games. And he said that there's very peculiar like parts in the language that you had to understand. And he talks about why it's really important to know the difference between the periods and the commas to know how a specific action on a card works. Is that a similar case going from English to Chinese? I guess th there are peculiar ways that Magic uses English. <laughs> And I guess any language, probably, because they have certain keywords that kind of only mean something in-game. The process of learning that in Chinese was actually really similar to the process in English. So how did you first get into playing like modern board games or even just your first board game experience? So I, I played a lot of Magic back in high school and college, and I had played Settlers of Catan and had fun with that. But it didn't really get me into modern board gaming. But one day I went to a game store in Beijing uh, when I had just moved there and didn't really know anyone yet. And they were playing Terra Mystica, which I had never heard of. And so I sat down and 
they taught me how to play Terra Mystica. My Chinese was a little rusty at that time because I hadn't used it in a few years. So it was a confusing way to learn a really complicated board game. The first of that sort of weight level that I'd ever played. And I was just confounded by the experience. I, I didn't understand how to strategize, but by the end of the game, it just felt so good to be able to have achieved what I did within the game, going from zero understanding of what I should do on my first turn to some understanding on my last turn. And that's really what got me into, it really got me addicted to modern board games. I imagine that was a very rewarding experience too, being able to navigate that game in Chinese. Yeah. And and I made some friends that, uh, that stuck around. So it was, it was a great experience. Really awesome. So you taught in China and I don't know, remember what city were you in? I was in Xi'an for about a year. And then I also taught in Beijing for several months. Okay. Beijing. And you like to use games when you taught as well? Yeah, I basically only used games. I didn't use any other teaching mechanisms whatsoever. So what were what were some of the games you used? Now, I was primarily teaching elementary school-aged children, so the games were pretty simple. I actually have been racking my brain trying to remember what games we played preparing for this interview, and I... I can only remember a few specifically, but if you were like learning names of, if you were learning any sort of noun, you could make flashcards of the, of pictures. Uh, say you were like learning animals, you could put flashcards of pictures of animals around the room. And then the kids would separate into two teams. And when it's your turn, you say a sentence with whatever animal you want. And then someone on the other team has to run and find that animal that animal's flashcard. Uh, you just race like that until uh, everyone has a turn. And there's really no end to that game. You just play as long as the kids are engaged. There are all sorts of games where you can like stand in two lines where each team has a line and the first person in line asks the second person a question. The second person answers it and then turns around and asks the third person a different question. And then that person answers the question and so on. And it's a race to get to the end of the line. I'm, I'm having trouble thinking specifically of other games that we played, but it was kind of just whatever wacky idea I had. And they honestly didn't always work. Sometimes the games were total flops. Right. Do you have an experience or how did you handle that situation if a game was not working as you planned it would or didn't go over as well as you thought? Uh, I guess the the solution was always to just move on to the next part of the lesson plan because I, I didn't really think there was any use in the kids being unengaged, even if I felt like I wanted to finish the game. Yeah, I think that's important to kind of, I guess, throw it, well, maybe not throw it in the trash, throw it in the recycling bin to, to come back to. Did you ever take a game that didn't do so well and think through it and bring it back to class? I guess all of the games that we played sort of I sort of built on ideas from other games, so I can't think of a specific instance of doing that, but I'm sure that elements of the failed games were also used in successful games uh, from time to time. So would you say you have a particular moment that you really liked from teaching over in China? I guess uh, the the first moment that just popped in my head when you asked me that question was I was just talking to some first graders uh, in between classes when 
most of them are just kind of running around, just taking a break before the next class starts. And one of the kids uh, walks up to me and he asks me if I have kids. And I said, uh, no, I don't have kids. This is when I was, I think, uh, 22 years old. So I wasn't even thinking about having kids. And he says, why don't you have kids? Who's going to take care of you when you're older? And that just made me crack up. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's a very, very cultural thing, right? Is the children taking care of the older generations in, I guess, most parts of Asia, right? I mean, definitely in the parts that I've lived in. Yeah, and I'm thinking, well, I'm going to end up in a nursing home. I live in America. <laughs> right, right. So you were teaching in China, and that was a bit ago, and then you've moved back to the States, and you got into game design when you moved back, or you were you designing games when you were teaching over in China? I had a lot of ideas back in those days, but it took me several years to actually start doing the work to get them out of my head and into reality. I actually moved back to China. So I was teaching at first in 2010 and 2011, and then I moved back to China in 2015, and I was teaching again then. And that's really when I, that's when I started prototyping the games that were in my head. So I know this isn't something that I had a question that I had said we were going to talk about our discussion. So maybe if you have an answer, that's awesome. Do you see any like overlap between so you were prototyping ideas and prototyping games that second time you went back to China. Do you see any overlap either between some of the things you do in game design and teaching or any like transferable skills? Um, I guess I think the main overlap is that in designing a game, I think understanding what makes a person enjoy a game, at least my understanding to uh, what makes a person enjoy a game is going through a process of figuring out a solution to a problem and then feeling a sense of achievement having done so. And I think that that problem could be whatever subject matter you're trying to teach and the and the achievement could be learning that subject matter. And that process, when someone's brain goes through the achievement process, your brain releases dopamine, it makes you feel good. And it makes you want to keep doing whatever you're doing. And I think that in the classroom, if your brain is not giving you that dopamine, you're probably not going to be very engaged. So I think that a lot of teaching is probably the same process as, as designing games. Right. I really like that. I think that you made a good point as a learner and being engaged, but I almost want to see that as being a teacher too, like being able to process through a problem you're having in class and be able to find a solution to that problem and feeling good about it, right? Feeling that sense of achievement. Yeah, I think that's that's what makes people work, I think, more than anything else. <laughs> right, right. I think, yeah, definitely. So how did you first get into game design? You were prototyping in China. Was it something that like, was it something that you really wanted to start doing? Or at that point, was it still just... Oh, I could I could make a game. So when I was a kid growing up, I used to play outside with the other kids on the street. We had a lot of kids on our street around the same age and we would make up sports. So we'd have like whatever ball or Frisbee or whatever we had. 
and then we'd make up a sport around it, like riding our bikes around, throwing frisbees at each other. So that was basically probably my first my first foray into game design, although it it wasn't formal by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, we just kind of made up games and played them. And then another another part of it is that I guess I've always wanted to create stuff. Uh, I've always enjoyed creating stuff more than consuming it. Like I liked music, so I learned how to play guitar and wrote some songs. I don't know if any of them were any good, but I did it. And then I went to culinary school because I like eating food. So this isn't the first time I've sort of tried to create something just because I enjoy it. That's super cool. I like the, (laughs) I wish I could go create or go make food just because I enjoy eating it (laughs) because I don't have that same motivation. Yeah. I realized I dropped out of culinary school because I wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to excel at it. (laughs) I I saw a lot of chefs around me that were way better and I decided I'll let them do the cooking and I'll just continue enjoying food, (laughs) but I gave it a shot. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's still a very courageous move to really look at what you're good at and kind of follow that, which you are good at game design because I, (laughs) I did play for, for glory. Uh, I did play for glory and I really liked it. I really like, I mentioned when I play tested it, I really like deck builders and it's a unique kind of take on a deck builder. Uh, Before we kind of, talk about that game what what was tough from moving away from teaching and then what do you like why did you follow game design i think this is probably a common answer to this question but the hardest thing moving away from teaching is just leaving the students or not having students anymore because i i built relationships with them and it it is a satisfying experience to go through an entire semester or school year with a group of kids and, and then see them grow and learn. Um, and obviously I don't have that anymore, but then why I got into game design, I think there was a moment when I realized that at least I thought I was good at it. So I realized I could really give it a shot and try to make it a career. So now you have, I guess your first game that you're self-publishing through your company uh, Spielcraft games. What was something you learned or what are you learning through this process? Man, I've learned a lot. So I worked on the game for a few months, uh, playtesting with my wife and some friends. And I thought it was pretty darn good. And then I took it to the Spielmasons, whom we talked about, uh, a group of game designers uh, in Omaha. And well, we just play test each other's games. But the first time I met them, they played for glory. And they basically just told me everything that they thought about it, which was mostly negative. And that that was a an eye-opening experience because it was when I really started rigorously thinking about what what makes an excellent game. And then that was about three years ago. And so three years later, I have realized, I guess to summarize, like what I've learned the most is that designing games is a skill. I think that you just get better at with practice, uh, just like so many other skills. And it's not something that you just have inspiration and then 
you prototype it and it works. It's really a, a process that you need to practice for a long time. I can definitely agree with that. I mean, I don't game design in a sense where I'm like publishing hobby games, but I know that having a skill that you practice anything, it takes work. And I think you do say that, or you said that prototyping and then overnight it's it's a it's a working game. I do think that if you're game designing a lot, those moments happen <laughs> very rarely, right? If we're game designing a lot of different games, we've developed that skill to be able to maybe once in a blue moon take that inspiration and turn it into a game. Yeah, what, what I meant to say was you're not going to do that the first day you start designing games, but you'll try to do that. You'll find a certain disconnect between how the game played out in your head and how it actually plays out when other people are following the rules that you made. And over time, the more iterations, uh, the more times you go through that process, the less of a disconnect there will be uh, each subsequent time you try it. Right. That's spot on. I imagine you learned a bunch in those three years too. And now you have For Glory and it's going on Kickstarter. Can you tell us a little bit about the game? Yeah, I'm obviously very excited to do so. It's a game of gladiator combat and deck building. Uh, the gladiator combat comes first, and it really is inspired by collectible card games. And I want to create that sort of experience, but in a single box where there aren't multiple purchases to make, where one player owns it and... They can open the box and play the game with their friends and everyone's on a, a level playing field. But you still get that experience of having each card have a unique set of abilities or a text that interacts with the game rules. And you can sort of customize your deck throughout the game instead of beforehand. Uh, one of the things that I don't really like about customizable card games anymore is that now with my life's schedule, I don't have time to build decks in between plays. And I'd rather just get a game out and be able to play without uh, having to prepare ahead of time. So that's part of what For Glory delivers. And then uh, one of the things that is really important to me in a game, I kind of like medium to heavy games in terms of depth, because I like, I like it when I'm never really sure what action to take next, what the optimal action is. So I developed a combat system where each turn you get to attack with one gladiator and use one tactic card, which you may or may, may not have because you have the choice of how many gladiators and how many tactics to add to your deck throughout the game. Basically, you want to play every tactic on every turn, but you only get to choose one. And you want to attack with every gladiator on every turn, but you only get to choose one. And they each have a really specific reason why you'd want to use them. So I think that it, it does create what I love about games in not knowing what move is the best move. Man, I mean, I'm just trying to think back because it's been like maybe two years. I don't remember when we when I first played it, maybe a year and a half when I played it. Yeah, it's, it's been quite a while. I think when you played it, it was just a, a Microsoft Word document level of art, as in no art. <laughs> yeah, I think actually, I think 
That's right. You were just getting some art for it. Like you had just gotten some of the gladiator art for it. And I really like I really enjoyed the one aspect. You might have to correct me because maybe the game's changed since then. But I really enjoyed having to like I guess it, it does sound similar based on your explanation where you had to manage your gladiators and choose which ones to go into different arenas. I really like that part of the game too. Oh yeah. I, I didn't mention that just now, but uh, that that's another thing. There are always up to two arena battles each round, and each gladiator can only fight in one or the other. And so you do have to commit your gladiators ahead of time. And basically, you want enough gladiators in each arena to defeat your opponent's gladiators in that arena. But each gladiator you put in one is kind of makes the other arena weaker for yourself. Right. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. So... Before we move into the final segment, I think anyone listening to this, well, maybe in education or they're in game design, but this episode is very particular to where you were a teacher and now you're designing games. So do you have any like tips for teachers who are full-time teaching and then they also want to design a game on the side or either transition into game design? Any tips that you might give them? That That's a tough one. I mean... It's tough because I don't know if I'm in a position to be giving anyone any advice. Well, maybe what are some things like you might have done in designing games that were a way to manage your time between what you're doing full time and game design? I think I always have enjoyed designing games. That's just what I have wanted to do with my free time. So it was never a challenge for me to try to find time to work on game designs because I would rather do that than watch TV or play video games or anything like that. But I've also, I've, I've never had, well, it's been a long time since I've had a job where I was working more than 40 hours a week and I don't have kids. So there are certain, I have certain luxuries in terms of uh, my free time that not everyone has. Right. Right. Yeah. I think uh, not having kids because I'm in the same situation. It's kind of it's <laughs> nice for now, but eventually we'll, we'll probably have some kids. But is there something that you would share with someone that like one thing that you maybe wish you had known before you got into game design? So I guess the, the one piece of advice I generally give to anyone who wants to design a game is to just start prototyping immediately and and make just the cheapest, easiest prototype to make, just the simplest version of your idea and play it right away. Because uh, a lot of people that I talk to are just like me in that I had ideas for games in my head for several years before I made my first prototype. And those ideas don't develop. You, you don't learn anything from them. You don't understand what's wrong with them uh, until you start prototyping and playtesting. Uh, so just get the first play test out there as soon as possible. That's my main advice. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think you're right. And to connect it to also a teacher, if they're designing a game for their classes, to at least like talk it through with a significant other or try to play it before you bring it to your classroom too. Because if you have an idea in your head and then it, like what we talked about, some of those games, they just it just fell flat. So at least just talking it through with someone is really, I think will be really beneficial to when you do bring it to your class. 
All right, Alex, we're going to move into the final segment, and this is a thumbs up, thumbs down, rapid fire round of statements. And you will receive a couple of statements, or I'll say a couple of statements, and you'll give me a thumbs up, thumbs down, and a brief explanation why. So the first one, and I was going to do Magic the Gathering, but I, I am pretty sure I know the answer to that now, so I'm going to go with Pokemon. Uh, I guess I'll give it a thumbs up, but I've never played. Uh, so I just give it a thumbs up based on uh, what it is in my imagination. Which is cool. <laughs> That's fair. All right, the next one, Gladiator, the movie with Russell Crowe. Thumbs up. I that was, uh, that was a powerful movie for me when it came out when I was in middle school. <laughs> and I think, uh, I think it probably still holds up today, although I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, it might, we might have to revisit that, especially with your your game coming out. Yeah, I, I keep I, I still think of certain lines from it, like the things we do in life echo in eternity. I probably got it a little wrong, but right. You should put some like little what do we call it Easter egg in your game somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> right, abstract games. Thumbs up. I uh, I especially like Chinese chess. Is that would would that be considered an abstract game? I would think so. I mean, I'm no expert on categorizing games, but I'd say like Chinese chess, chess, right? Checkers. Those are all abstract games, right? Yeah, I, mean, I, I like abstract games. Yeah. <laughs> all right, the last one, board games on Amazon. Board games on Amazon. Thumbs up. I like that they're available for purchase if we want them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the nature of our, our life these days. <laughs> instant gratification all right alex thank you so much for your time and sharing a little bit about your teaching life in china and your game design or your transition to game design if someone wanted to well first off go back for for glory where would they do that and if they wanted to reach out to you where would they do that so the kickstarter campaign is live as as of the airing of this episode and it's called For Glory, the game of gladiator combat and deck building. And there's a, a short, a shortened URL. It is bitly.com. That's B-I-T-L-Y.com slash for glory game. That's F-O-R-G-L-O-R-Y-G-A-M-E. So that's uh, that's where you can find a Kickstarter. And then uh, our website is spielcraftgames.com, and that's spelled S-P-I-E-L-C-R-A-F-T games.com. Super awesome. Thank you again, Alex, for your time and good luck on the on the rest of the campaign. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Before we head out, as always, thank you for checking out the show. Thank you for listening. And if you are enjoying the show, please leave a review on the podcast platform you are listening to the episode or this show on it really helps others find the show so please consider leaving a review for board game with education and before we go remember be sure to check out facing off on kickstarter that is a fantastic all play role changing party game it is a way to describe sketch and bet your way to victory. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of laughs. A really great game, and it's on Kickstarter right now. So if you go to kickstarter.com, search for the game Facing Off. And until next time, remember, 
teach better, learn more, and definitely, most importantly, play some more games. Thank you for listening in this week. If you like what you heard, be sure to let us know. You can find us on social media as Board Gaming with Education or BGE Games, or email us at podcast at boardgamingwitheducation.com. If you want to support our podcast, be sure to check out our support page on our website. As always, teach better, learn more, and most importantly, play more. Thank you for listening, and until next time.